0: Hi, I'm Lonnie Watson, high school counselor.
1: And I'm Jerry Mack, high school principal.
0: Welcome to our podcast, The School Office,
1: where we give tactical and practical tips for working in a high-performing public school.
0: We have been to all the conferences. We have read all the books. We are tired of hearing from experts who are not in the trenches working with students, parents, and staff every day.
1: So if you want to learn about all things that work for us in our profession, you're in the right place.
0: Thanks for joining us. This is The School Office. All right, Jerry, I saw a tweet this morning, and so I decided today we are going to title this The Disruption We Needed, and I know that sounds kind of morbid. I didn't want a pandemic for a disruption we needed, Uh, but the quote goes like this, in the rush to return back to normal, we need to use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. So I kind of want to talk today about disruption we needed educationally. And a disruption we might have needed on, like, the family level and in our houses. And it, that just mm-hmm. hit me. Like, the re- the rush to return back to normal, we need to use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. Because I can tell you in my life, there's some parts that aren't worth. Like, slowing down mm-hmm. might not kill my family right now.
1: Right. Well, it's, it's for sure been a dis- disruption. I'll, I'll give it that. But, yeah, there's the... Um, I don't know if it's the social thing, those activities that uh, rush to get your kids to this practice and then quick get them to the guitar practice and quick get them to the soccer and get them to the, you know, I'm just example. I don't have little kids, so that's, that's truthfully not my life. But those things, it's just put all of that on pause. This is just a, a pause button. And, and by all means, you know, we, we talked a little bit. We have the anxieties at times with the health concern, those ones we love, like who, you know, and, you know, outside of it, you know Talking about the, uh, those issues. There there are some positives, I think, that are going to come from this. These disruptions that, I think if we do this right, maybe it creates some healthy changes. Is that so, kind of what you're talking about?
0: Absolutely. And so on the personal... So today, I want to spend time talking about those two things. Disruption and what it could mean for us as family structure. And disruption and what it could mean as, in education structure. Okay. Because last week, we talked about... Uh, I just said my stepmom kind of lit my heart on fire saying, in the fall, if this disruption doesn't change education for the better, then we haven't used the disruption correctly, right? We haven't used the pandemic, we haven't used all the hard things of stress to really change because education has needed to be drastically disrupted and it could be an opportunity for us to just figure out a way to light a fire under kids and teach in different modes and and figure out: Do we need to be in the in the building five days a week? Can we do other things with students? Um, so I think disruption and slowing down right now could end up being a positive, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today.
1: Uh, agree. So, kind of what you just said there is: if we come back to education next fall, we're brand new school year, and if we come back and we're doing the exact same thing we did, we we're doing last fall, we missed an opportunity. That's what you told me, right? Absolutely. Yep. I I 100% agree with that. So this is our opportunity for us to, you know, as educators and school systems, but even in our personal lives, which is what you talk about. And I haven't been given that a lot of thought. So I'm curious my thoughts that are going to come up while we share this podcast, because, yeah, I teased you a little bit earlier today that if the symptoms of this virus are fatigue and you sometimes get hot, I think I have those symptoms. <laughs> I think so, too. It's really a hot in I, this building I, right now. <laughs> I, I might not, you know, I might test negative for the virus, but um, it has caused so many disruptions in our lives. I felt like, um, even though I think what I'm hearing is, you know, families, in, I, I live alone. I, you know, I've got a dog. Um, but for me, it's like, it's been go, go, go still. I, have, I haven't, I'm really a little bit jealous to get the quarantine time coming up, so... That that I'm just being honest. It's not a feel sorry for me. That's just the if this if this podcast is the school office, that's what's happening with the school offices, and I know it's no different with you. Other than you've got little ones at home, I don't. Mm-hmm. So when I do go home at night, I can. It's a quiet place at least.
0: Well, and let's start there. So let's start. And and I came up with the title of this this episode um, after talking to a friend. So let's start just on like the family level here and the disruption that it's causing so many families. Last week we talked a little bit about, I said, it's impossible. Moms and dads are trying to be a teacher right now, they're trying to be a parent, and they're trying to be a worker, and it's just not possible to do all of those three well at one time. It's not humanly possible. And so I advise parents who are trying, and I keep calling it the homeschool Olympics. They're trying to be the gold medalist <laughs> of the homeschool Olympics. I just said, when, when it gets impossible to do those three things at once, when you have to choose, because you will have to choose, choose connection, right? Agreed. And I think that can be on whether you have kids at home or not. It could be connection with your spouse. It could be connection with a loved one that you live with. Maybe you're a, take- a caretaker for an elderly or a grandparent or a parent. Um, maybe it's like me. I have little kids, preschool-age kids at home. Um, it's pause, right? We have the time right now. And sometimes I think we don't connect because there's just not enough time, right? Where you got gymnastics and we got swim team and we got soccer coming signups in the spring and that kids have to eat their fruits and vegetables and you better eat it before bath time and then it's like okay so we have more time in the day to pause and choose connection whether it's taking our dog for a walk um facetiming a grandparent um i don't know i'm just interested in the fact the world has been going moving so fast and we are just able to do so many things at once now Maybe this is the disruption we needed at the home level to choose connection and to connect and do puzzles and um, just slow down a little bit.
1: And I'm all for that. I mean, I, I, I hope, I'm hoping that I learn different different techniques. I'm going to just say technologies. You know, we're doing meetings and different things we're doing and how we're communicating with family. Um, and those things has, has changed a little bit for me and I assume this changed for a lot of other people. So I'm am hoping this is a learning opportunity as well for all of that. Um, it's just I haven't quite comprehended just all the different areas of, of our life that this disruption will have an impact on for the better because um, we know there's the um, the kind of the negative things right now, but um, with the the lines or the missing products at the grocery store mm-hmm. and the and the you know being a little limited in travel and and, and those things. Um, but I just, I honestly do think that there's a, there's just a lot of areas of our lives that I want to learn during this disruption. Um, how to communicate differently, how to how to mainstream some things, um, how to prioritize my own schedule, um, what's important and what can put put on hold. Um, I'm just going to state this right now publicly. I'm hoping the next virus is spread by emails.
0: Yes, so that we can shut oh, those down, please.
1: Gosh, please. Um, it's a little bit information overload, and I think. I think that's a good thing in the sense that we're seeing um, maybe how to professionally communicate and what's too much. Um, Yeah, I I think we're going to figure out like how to organize our our emails. It's going to force me to uh, do a better job of figuring out how to organize and and, uh, sort and filter emails. Um, Yeah, there's just, there's, there's a lot. The sad part for me is the some of the lack of, of communication, the face-to-face interactions with, Mm -hmm. um, some elderly people in our community that are really close to me that, you know, I just feel like it's some of that's on hold. And, and truthfully, they don't, um, in my life, they, um, you know, person I'm thinking about is a father figure to me and, and his, his phone is still the flip phone, Mm -hmm. you know, so he doesn't have, we don't, you know, there's no Zoom, (laughs) you know, there's no, so I'm hoping we can, you know, teach some of those things to other people too, but, um, I just can't imagine, again, the, the, I think we got to turn this podcast over to you to take a lead, because I don't have children at home still. I can't imagine trying to figure out a schedule. I heard a, a, one of our teachers in this building was telling me this morning that, you know, they have a um, high school student, is all the, 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 the children in their home are high school students, and their concern is, yeah, there's some of this alternate learning or remote learning going on, other than that, they're not being active. It's not like a summer schedule. They don't have like a part-time jobs yet. They don't have, and so they're just struggling with how to even keep their kids engaged mm-hmm. at home. And then you see, you know, on social media, the families that are, I mean, they've got exercise classes they're trying to pull off. They've got, you know, sit down math time and bless their hearts. You know, I think all of that is whatever the parent can, can handle, but
0: bless it's just the, such bless a strange their time. Did I tell you the story about my my schedule? Trying to make a schedule for my littles.
1: oh How'd it go?
0: Oh, two days of just brilliance. Oh, it was color-coded. And third day, she spit on it and ripped it up and threw it in the trash. I was like, all right. We had two days. And that's how it's going to be. And that's I, real. It's so real. And, like, give me a break, Instagram. Your schedules. Like, bless your heart, you got one picture of your... Kids at the kitchen table. Like, it's not gonna be every day. There's gonna be a day when your kids spit on your schedule and throw (laughs) in the trash, too. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely impossible to do it all well. I'm kind of interested in the idea of some of us teachers having to teach our kids from home and realizing how much homework we give kids. Yeah. I'm really interested in that. And if we come back, like, I'm really interested in this idea, things are slowing down and we're getting a more introspective look at our families, our structures. Mm -hmm what we give for homework, how we teach, and then what our kids are getting. And maybe the consideration of like which parts of normal are worth rushing back into, like homework for an example. Maybe teachers will realize how much homework everybody is getting from every different, and you've been really good with our staff on telling them to slow down and not so much homework, but I think their instinct is to give a lot of Mm -hmm. homework because that's what kids need right now. And it might be interesting those who are also homeschooling their kids at home to be like, oh, Crap, it, when the kid has seven different teachers or six different classes or even three different classes, that's a lot they're getting on a daily basis. Maybe I should reevaluate how much I give.
1: I had an adult tell me that they're a relative of theirs, they're the uh, so I assume it's the nieces or nephews have like six or seven periods in a day, and so they're doing all this alternate remote learning, and, and the parent. Got over a hundred emails in the first three days of remote learning. No kidding. Yeah, and it just that, and that's my concerns. And the feedback I get is crazy. Like um, the disruption we're dealing with that we're gonna, trying to figure out is what is the balance? Because we've got teachers that are just phenomenal, and they're just ready to hit the ground running and take off. But we don't have the kids that, mm-hmm. in the online learning format yet. Um, they haven't quite, you know, whatever it is, internet access at home or those kind of things we're dealing with. Plus, we have the packets that you can pick up here. And neither has happened for some of our kids. Um, so we're trying to deal with, with that balance. And at the same time, then I'm getting uh, contacts from parents and students that they want more. <laughs> well, there's more out there. If you have the resources at home, go for it. But, so I, I think it's a good reflection time right now of everything you're saying. It's a good reflection for students that what is it that you could have been doing on your own all along that you've had the resources to do that you don't you know you don't need lead all of the time um, it's a good reflection for um, for us as educators of you know some some of our students or families don't have what others have and we can see like you know the, the thing you know we've been talking is we are not going to widen any socioeconomic gap we're going to be so aware of that we're not going to take the top kids and run, to the heavens with them and, and while we're holding down the kids without resources at home. So those awareness pieces, that, I mean, that's another one where this disruption is going to be a positive thing is this awareness for us as educators of who has, who doesn't, and the the forcing us to f- try to solve and be part of the solution to help.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love that you brought that up. And I, we're just going to commingle. I think we're going to bounce back and forth between mm-hmm. home and education because, like, my heart's on fire right now. I told you a story. Before I was a school counselor, I taught high school math. And I only ever taught as high as Algebra 2. That was kind of like the class I taught a lot of is Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. And I told you this. I was as good at, and I think you are exactly the same way because I observed your class a bunch when I was student teaching. We, as math teachers, were as good as anybody, I would say anybody, at teaching to the middle. Low and middle, I killed it. Those kids You give me um, kids that are on the lower end that need to be brought up, and I rocked it. I was so good at building relationships. I was so good at teaching to the middle, and I think a lot of us teach to the middle. This could be our opportunity. This whole idea of this digital learning and this flip we're doing right now, it could be our opportunity. I told you, you give me that really high kid that's scoring a 34, 35 already on his ACT or her ACT and coming in algebra two, I'm sweating. I'm going to my classroom sweating like, oh, That kid's going to ask me 10 questions I don't know the answer to, and I want to enrich them, and I don't want to hurt them or bring them down, but my content is not designed for them in Algebra 2. And I just wonder if this disruption will not force us as educators and force our teachers to really balance this equity and that fair is not equal. And how we can teach that kid who comes into you already knowing most of the content that needs pushed and wants pushed. And how you can also find the equity in the kids that have these big gaps and these roadblocks that they are having to fight through every day to even get to school. And I just wonder if this isn't an opportunity for us to differentiate instruction and get good at it. And then quit freaking out that's like, that's not fair for that kid. It doesn't have to be fair right? Absolutely. Because they all need different things. Yep. Um, you talked about it in one of the staff meetings earlier this year that um, one of our um, populations in our community that we need to service better and I could mm-hmm. just feel that our staff was not ready to have that conversation and you forced it and I appreciate it because we mm-hmm. we saw our failing list and it I, I can still feel educators still struggle with this idea that it has to be fair mm-hmm. and that it has to be somewhat similar across the board and I wonder if this disruption will show them like oh it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. like I can make that kid grow and make that kid grow using just completely unconventional things that work I don't know what those things are but well
1: right um gosh my now my brain's on fire yeah you've seen my emails and you've been in the zoom meetings we've had um recently but it's it's that that to me that's at a, the the awareness piece that's going to come out of this disruption and I don't know that we've found, we're on a solution yet, but we started at the beginning of the year. You were talking about one of our populations, a, a subgroup of our students, a minority group actually, um, that's been lagging a little behind in our test scores, and we're trying to figure that out. And as soon you know, we go to remote learning, we're taking off. That's the very group. It's a, uh, mm-hmm. you know that uh, low income group uh, subgroup we have in our community. Or in our schools that that's we're just leaving them behind again and so it's like I felt like yesterday was the first time and it was in a zoom staff meeting that you know I almost felt like I was scolding a little bit you know with just telling teachers you slowing down is not an option right now it's a must mm-hmm. it's a must I mean we got to spend our first week trying to figure out how we how we're reaching families and it's difficult and you know you and I were looking at lists of students again this morning we've knocked on doors this week mm-hmm. we have You've called over 100 students, and I think that's underestimating greatly, um, this week alone, trying to ensure that we've got all students on board before we start
0: moving, you know. Food and internet, baby. Food and internet. Yeah,
1: just just trying to figure this out. So it's been really good to be a part of that, to have conversations um, in those homes, um, and just trying to figure, and I don't know if we have the solution yet. Um, We just don't. And so... We've got a local internet provider that said, hey, anyone in town, we'll hook them up free for 60 days, and those are blessings. That tells me that there's solutions out there that we've, you know, there's team members that are going to help us with these solutions that, um, again, one of that's uh, one of the positives out of this disruption is I think it's allowing our community also to see um, maybe some discrepancies and some needs mm-hmm. uh, for us as well.
0: Well, because it's just so hard. You think of kids sitting in a traditional classroom, 30 of them, and they look, a lot of times disengaged. If they're not doing like project-based learning or hands-on things, if it's just like lecture, they look disengaged. Even our like Mm -hmm. best teachers, most spunky performance teachers. And I think a lot of times it's because the group there's a group in there that's overwhelmed and checked out because the content is above their skill level at that moment in time. And then there's the other group that's checked out because they're bored. And I just, we've never found a good Mm -hmm. way to to figure that out. And um, I got out of the classroom. I'm in the school counseling office before I could get really good at that differentiating instruction. I'm interested in this disruption. I think right now is the time for us to slow down and make sure everybody has services. But once we get rolling, there will be some phenomenal educators in our district and across the nation that might figure some of that out. They might run with some different models for differentiating. They might... This is this is a mode of instruction where it could be very individualized and it could be very project-based. And it's scary to make that big of a disruption when you have state testing looming and all of a sudden that's been lifted from us. I'm just, I'm excited. My heart's on fire for that idea. I know there will be some teachers in our district that really run with this and mm-hmm. and might solve some problems that we've had with those different groups.
1: In my my email yesterday afternoon was um, because we have a, a few teachers that have said, well, they've got students in their classes that are, they want more, mm-hmm. and we're we're still trying to get people on the bus right now before we really get it into gear. Um, and so, anyways, one of my one of my thoughts while I'm typing this email is, well. What, in, in for instance, one example was a student wanted some ACT test prep. And so, you know, it dawned on me that, you know, we're doing all this Zoom stuff. We're not in these, in classrooms with students right now. Um, what if, if the teacher has the talents and the time? Because, you know, let's say we're in self-quarantine here. You know, our teachers are, are maybe going to get bored. What if they just start offering? It doesn't have to be a buck credits. It doesn't have to be on a transcript. If they have the, the talents and, and the passion why can't they offer some Zoom session and open it up for any student in the high school? Or what about community members join in? Maybe they're going to offer a music theory class and just mm-hmm. have discussions. I think learning will still take place. Why do we have to have it um, on a transcript or assessed and, and all of these things? Why can't we just? Why can't we learn through conversations? You know, or maybe a book study. You know, a group with a book study. Why can't we do any? You know, maybe that math teacher really has a passion, wants to do some ACT test prep. Offer it. Offer it and see who jumps in. And, um, you know, we can do some public stuff or we can do it for our students, but let's not let it be, you know, worry about this traditional transcript. So our focus, I know schools are doing this different all across the nation and even just here locally schools are doing this different. We're not trying to do the the same thing. We we thin down our class offerings to those that we, the project-based classes, woods, welding, and um, several others that we just can't offer for these next eight weeks. Um, so we've just kind of dismissed those and given full credit for those students if we canceled the class. Um, but we're doing mastery learning. And so for us, it's focusing on making sure we're leaving no one behind. Our efforts are to get students at their appropriate grade level learning and those subjects and those classes they're at for next year. And so that kind of ignores the top end kids when you do that. Because truthfully, if we're doing mastery, we could give a test right now and we could, oh, the top 10% of the kids are already there. Mm-hmm. So we could dismiss them off our roles, and we don't want to do that.
0: And they don't want that either. And they don't yeah, want, yeah. They don't want that. That's the biggest so, thing. They, yeah. they love to learn, and we want to enrich that.
1: So that's one thing, you know, that we're trying to figure out right now, that, again, this disruption, we would never be, we would never even know, we've never even done Zoom meetings with our students,
0: mm-hmm.
1: let alone staff meetings before. So now we're like, oh, you know, we had a teacher excited because they were doing breakout sessions during their Zoom class, you know, yesterday, and they were so excited about mm-hmm. that. And, just different things you know we're learning as we go and i think we're going to find ways to uh, provide to to all ends um, to, to meet individual needs for maybe Slowly. the first time um, in far better ways than we did before
0: i mean at a minimum like screw snow days anymore we got that we're gonna yeah. figure this out maybe we'll have digital days at a max maybe they'll be digital fridays maybe they'll be yeah. di- you know we could really run with a lot of this this stuff you know
1: it's a good point we have um in in geographically where we're located in the nation we have schools that are doing four-day uh, school weeks and, and they're doing it because of budget concerns well here's a solution do four days of face-to-face mm-hmm. and w- in a maybe a monday or a friday is a technology-based and, and that might be a solution for for schools to find ways to save money um we, we got communities where you know they're trying to consolidate in our state you know and consolidate the school well we might be able to offer you know what if can my teacher of record be a teacher that's over in another community? Exactly. Because now we're offering Zoom classrooms, you know, because here's what we found out. Distance learning was, it was a struggle. And maybe Zoom would, you know, maybe this is too, just because it needed to fit your bell schedule. Well, we're figuring this out with, you know, you could record this stuff. And, and I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking on the fly right now. but
0: It could be a big, it, it could be big changes. could be a big change. And we talk all the time about teacher shortage. I mean, those schools who have gone to a four-day week that is really tempting to get you know it's kind of like a nursing schedule nurses work three three or four tens and get a extended break and what if teachers I mean it really would be a big carrot I think to go into a profession that let you have that much autonomy um With how you teach, it's just Mm -hmm. super interesting to me. We could go on about this forever. Maybe
1: this flexibility is going to encourage people in the profession. Oh, right now, look at how many people are playing teacher at home right now. Absolutely. You know, we got older siblings, and we hear these stories here um, just this week with some of our upperclassmen or our high school students. They're they're in charge of their younger siblings in the house right now Mm -hmm. because parents are able to go out and work. You know, they're playing teachers, so maybe they're going to create an interest in education and teaching. Maybe this will help the teacher shortage. Look at all the parents and the people that are trying to teach their own kids right now. Mm-hmm. This could be good for the profession as a whole.
0: I think so too. Um, I want to come back to this idea of the family too. Okay. There's, I've got a lot of thoughts here on how we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents and heads of the household and coaches and teachers. Um, I'm kind of excited, Jerry, for the pause. And the reflection when it comes to some of the group events we feel like our kids must do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, slumber party parties every other night. They're going, the kids are bouncing from house to house to house. I'm not against slumber par- parties, but having your own kids in your house. I mean, these elaborate birthday parties and how it's gotten to be where every kid needs a present as they go to those birthday parties. I bet some kids are sad they can't have these, but having like a family unit birthday party again like, mm-hmm. and just realizing... The, not the stress of having to get a frozen dress for every kid that comes over to your house. Um, I want to talk about sports. This idea that your kid needs to go to every single camp all summer to be better. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think there's time to take a week to go to the lake. I think if you miss a few open gyms... Um, you might, we might even have kids that hone in their skills because they have to sit in their driveway and shoot hoops, opposed to going and playing in open gym every night. And they just sit there and shoot and shoot. Um, I'm super interested in the idea that I don't think kids are gaining as much as we think they are by being over in all of these activities, especially when it comes to sporting activities. I don't think kids are improving at the rate that coaches and parents think they are, and I wonder if slowing down and focusing on some skills and some shooting, you know, and that's another way to connect, like shooting with your kid in your driveway or playing catch and, you know, pitching, 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 opposed to being these, have to be these large groups where you travel to a town two hours away and you play four different teams. I just don't know the cost benefit of all of that that we're getting as much as we really think we are with our student athletes.
1: You know, I talked about once, you don't see students, your kids just playing outside as much as you right. used to. Just to play, just to play in the, you know, like it used to be, you'd play in the street. That's where you dribble your basketball or play in the driveway. Um, you know, those kind of things you just don't see that a lot. But, um, and right now, so I think of what's going on for students, when you're talking about sports and what I see, you know, obviously there's grieving and sadness for, mm-hmm. um, some of our students that don't get a, they've been looking forward to the spring season, um, for their sport or their activity. Um, but at the same time, we're releasing a lot of pressure. Right. There's a lot of these anxieties, these social pressures, all of that that has been on the, this for all of us, even mm-hmm. as adults. Um, you know, but I'm thinking about our our students. A lot of that pressure is being released right now, and what you know, you and I deal with a lot is you know the um, through the school year we deal mm-hmm. with students with high anxieties, we deal with suicidal ideations, we deal with a lot of those things, and. Um, I'm hoping you know, and we're still working to make sure that the kids we were working with before are still providing the service those needs. But, um, but a lot of those pressures are being released right now, um, and I'm kind of a, uh, you know, I think that's a healthy thing. Um, and then you mentioned the family. I think that a lot of society, societal issues, are going to be solved. At the family dinner table,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that has been missing in our society for a lot of years, is families eating together. And I think one thing about the self quarantine and and more people are working from home. Like our teachers right now have the option to work from home. We yeah. haven't, in our area of where we're located, we haven't. We're not a shelter in place community yet. Maybe we will dot, be. Dot, dot, yet. Yeah, <laughs> and so. I, I honestly think families are spending more time together, and I think they're... My hope is they're actually sitting down and using those things called the, the dining room table or the kitchen table, and they're sitting together, and they're having meals um, together. They're having those conversations, and um, I just think that's been missing in our in our society a long time. I think so much uh, problems in the world would be solved at a family dinner table.
0: I could not agree more. And you know what? In At my home, I'm doing a lot more of, and my kids... Um, they're in the ages almost two and almost five where like they want mom all the time and they're kind of fighting mm-hmm. over me, you know, brother, sister, that's what, that's what they do, fighting over me. I'm, I'm holding my kids a lot more. I'm hugging my kids a lot more. I'm reading to them a lot more right now because I have time. You have time. I have time. We're not yeah. rushing from dinner to basketball. Yeah. There's all these pockets in the day right now. Um, and I've still been able to come to work a little bit and be home a little bit. I'm kind of living both worlds right now. Uh, but. I'm holding them more and touching. And I think for little kids touch by their parents and that comfort is so, so important. And We know it builds brain cells and we know connection. And when they're, when they're older, it might be, you go for a drive. That's your connection, right? You're in, or you sit at the dinner table and you talk. There's just these pockets for holding my kids, reading them a book, touching, um, playing. And I think play is so vitally important. Play is the meaning of life. And i even, even sitting here with you, Jerry, like, I'm like, what songs are you going to learn on the guitar the next eight weeks? You need to, right? And maybe these kids pick up a habit. I'm thinking about our highest stress kids. Maybe they pick up a habit that they love. Like maybe they didn't realize they love to walk outside or be outside as much as they do. Or maybe they learn how to play an instrument or maybe they relearn their love for reading. Um, because it's not as forced anymore. Um, Anyway, I'm just interested in all that. And
1: and we're a pretty rural community. Right. You know, and we're in the northwest corner of Nebraska. um, Rural community. And um, I had two different adults yesterday, and one of them showed me the video where they're, uh, one's middle, I think they're middle school kids. Um, I think, yeah, both of the families were uh, middle school age students. And this is the time where dad works on the ranch at home. You know, that's the... you know, the, for these mom drove to town for the, the town job to work in the school system. And they're showing me like their kids are at home. They're now dad's showing them how to drive the tractor, right? Showing them how to operate the skid steer, um, taking them for showing them how to drive down the County road or out in the pastures in their vehicles. And it's like that talk about just important things that this disruption, um, there's no doubt that maybe this was needed. Um, because now they get time and, and, Because here's what happens. The normal school year, you don't have time. It's activity, 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 activity. You know, kids are busy, 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 busy. And got to get to, you know, travel team, basketball, you know, was in the heat of the season as this happened here. Um, And then you get to summer and it's all, it's more activities. More,
0: way more. It
1: it really hits heavy because now there is not a separate basketball. See, I'll just use a couple examples. There's not a separate basketball season and a separate football season and a separate whatever baseballs—they're all at the same time. In other words, all of the leagues, um, all of the the—and then you got the weight room that you're expected to be at every day. Mm-hmm. So the kids' schedule—they don't slow down in the summer. Most of our students—they don't slow down. So this is our chance to slow down. This is our chance to spend time with our family. This is our chance to um, show our kids how different—you know—take show them how to drive a vehicle
0: Absolutely. on a
1: county road. Absolutely. You
0: know,
1: a lot of positives.
0: I like. I like the idea of unorganized play and I like the idea of some unorganized summers and it, it just feels like society and we had been going so fast that once you get on a fast track, it's really hard and disruptive to slow down. And I'm just coming back to kind of wrap this up on the idea. Maybe this was the disruption we needed on, on different units. So um, we are so incredibly excited to, share with you in the next coming weeks on how we are connecting with students in this new learning format. And we hope that anybody out there listening can take some tips. We feel like we're doing really good things right now, but we're going to wait one week to share exactly what we've Mm -hmm. been doing to make sure we're connecting with all of our students and make sure it is what we think it is so far. So thanks for joining us. I'm Lonnie Watson. And I'm Jerry Mack. And this is The School Office. We'll be here next week.